CITR 101.9. CITR 101.9 FM. 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 CITR Voices of UBC. Listening to CITR 101.9 FM. This is the Arts Report. Uh, this is Lua. I haven't been here in a while, but I'm so happy to be here right now. Uh, and I'm here and in, in the studio, so happy with Silvana <laughs> and Phoebe. Yay! Uh, so before we start the show today, as usual, I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting the show from the unceded territory. Ter- territory of the Coast Salish peoples. And today we have a really packed show. A lot has been going on over the past week. And yeah, we're here to talk about it. We're going to start the show with an interview with Nightingale uh, and Indy Wong by Sarah, who is not here today. Uh, She's having, she's visiting her family and we're so happy for her. (laughs) Um, And the interview is about a podcast they're producing called BIPOC Credits. Um, yeah, so let's listen to it. Hello, everyone. Today I have Nightingale and Andy Wong with me. Hello, guys. Thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Fabulous, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Uh, thanks for having us. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm great, too. Wonderful. Would you like to start off by uh, introducing yourself and also BIPOC credits, which is the reason why we're here today? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Andy. I, I'm the... Uh, creator and host of my new podcast, BIPOC Credits. And the podcast is about the crew members that work in the film industry. So every episode, we interview a new um, crew member working in the BC film industry, talking about their jobs and their experience, uh, moving up the ranks and things like that. And uh, what makes this podcast special is that every guest is a Mm -hmm. a person from a BIPOC community Mm -hmm. or some form of diversity, uh, either like transgender or uh, or queer or any anything like that. And uh, the whole reason is because we wanted or I wanted a platform to be able to have these conversations about diversity and, mm-hmm. and what it means to be more inclusive in the film industry. And uh, it was because I was uh, working in film mm-hmm. and um, heard a lot of people uh, wanting to be more diverse, but then also people like complaining about the crew members that they're getting aren't being trained well enough or like don't know enough about the job to be in the position they're in. And so I figured like, 
well, the thing that we're missing here is education, a, a place mm -hmm. to be able to hear these stories and, and understand what they're getting themselves into. Mm -hmm. And you also host the podcast, right? That's right. Yeah. Yes, great. Yes, this is BIPOC Cries with Andy Wong, and you are talking to the real Andy Wong. <laughs> The real one. <laughs> How about you, Nightingale? Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Nightingale. I'm the producer of BIPOC Credits. I'm also known as Andy's second brain. It takes more than one brain to operate this podcast. Thank you very much. It definitely takes more than one brain. Anyone who wants to create a podcast, heads up. You need two, at least. <laughs> Yes, I agree. The reason why I was really, really attracted to this project is because it's like what Andy says, there is a need for more education. And it's also just comforting just to know that there has always been BIPOC crew members. They're just not celebrated or highlighted enough. And I know that for me, being in this field, sometimes it does feel very lonely at times because mm -hmm. you don't see a role model or at least someone you can look up to, like, for example, like, a female role model and so it's just very comforting to kind of dispel the myth that there aren't any it's just that there are and that you just have to do your due diligence and nowadays I'm work whenever I'm working on sets I try to hire as much diversity and inclusion as I can just so that and it does take more work but that just means you just need to put in the due diligence to do so mm -hmm. yeah and so Nightingale how did you get involved with this project as the producer lots of talks with Andy and then we just decided all these nice deep conversations in the middle of the night need to be put somewhere yeah we worked on the QQ together too and yes. and like I was just so impressed by Nightingale's like ability to make something make a project like that happen mm -hmm. and her commitment to community and everything just like kind of made this project that I've wanted to create for some time uh, seem more of a real possibility because just seeing how she where she took the QQ is like I mean this could work <laughs> yeah and also for anyone who did listen to that episode we did have Nightingale on show before to talk about QQ uh, and I was just about to ask you guys worked on that together too how is working together again you know the whole reason why she's back is because she's just so awful to work with I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> totally kidding <laughs> the whole reason why like we're, we're continuing to work together is just because like we we have such a great working relationship and um it's so easy to work together and uh, um she she's able to handle uh so much of the things that um might slip through the cracks if it was just me mm -hmm. uh, hence why the second brain is absolutely needed yeah <laughs> It's a good point. Honestly, it just comes down to really good communication and just listening to what the team needs. If the team needs something and we're seeing that there could be a form or somewhere where we can streamline the process or make it efficient, then we should just listen and try to find a solution so that way nothing can hold us back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, going back to kind of the beginning where you, Andy, mentioned that with the podcast you're interviewing people every episode so you have a guest each episode um how are you guys finding these people to interview are you reaching out to specific people in the industry or can people reach out to you about being on the podcast how does that all work yeah so most of the uh, guests that have been on the show so far have been people i've worked with um, in the past because I myself uh, work in the Vancouver film industry as well mm -hmm. and 
I'm lucky enough to like work as an assistant director, which my whole job is to talk to different departments and different like crew members in these <laughs> departments. And so um, I'm, I'm really lucky to be able to uh, uh, be connected in that way with just all these various different departments and people who work in. Uh, but um, if anyone does want to uh, come on to the podcast, we're definitely like uh, looking for new guests all the time and, and whatnot because uh, kind of the issue that we've been bumping into and also the, the whole reason this podcast exists is because the diversity in uh, crew positions, like head of department crew mm -hmm. positions, it, it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so. Uh, and that, also that's... another thing is that because we want to interview working BIPOC crew members, they are working. Mm -hmm. So that means that yeah. they are pretty much on the top of their game. So it's just really difficult to figure out how to coordinate their 12 to 16, maybe more hours a day, and then they need that weekend to sleep. But at the same mm -hmm. time, it's a good thing to show other people that there is a job out there for anyone in the film industry. Totally. And, and what I've found is like people who are in these higher positions are usually really excited to um, excited about this idea to, to educate and to tell people about their jobs. It's just uh, getting this opportunity to the right people at the right time, as Knight was mentioning. Um, obviously, if they're on a big show at the moment, then they can't, you know, necessarily commit to to uh, doing this podcast. Um, like, for example, recently we reached out to a casting director who loves the idea, but um, uh, isn't able to do it right now mm -hmm. because, because she's uh, handling a really huge show. And so the more Um, that was, I guess, a little technical difficulty here. Uh, let's, oh my god, what had just happened? Uh, our computers here just decided to... Hello everyone, today I have... Okay, um, let's... Okay, uh, this is weird. Um, well, um... I guess we will have to come back to that interview uh, since uh, I think the file might have been corrupted, unfortunately. Uh, I'm so sorry. This is not our ideal situation, but it's okay. Um, we are going to then have another interview with Alyssa and August, again by Sarah. And this interview is about BC Culture Day and their ambassador program. So stick around to listen to um this interview hello thank you guys so much for joining me today for audiences i have Alyssa and august with me and we're going to be talking about the the bc culture days the ambassador program so let's just get into it could you start by introducing yourself hi i'm august hello <laughs> hi <laughs> uh Hi, thank you so much for having us. Um, yeah, I'm Alyssa, and I am currently in my room on unceded Musqueam's Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh. Hello, everyone. Today, yeah. I colonially known as Burnaby and Andy Wong with me. Um, Hello. What type of art medium do you guys do? Oh, um, I'm primarily a photographer. Uh, most of the work I do is in film photography. Mm -hmm. How about you, Alyssa? 
Yeah, I like to move my body. So uh, I dance sometimes. Uh, I think that's like my primary, I guess, like modality would be movement um, and storytelling through movement. But I've been really interested in a lot of intermodal and interdisciplinary work as well. So my collective, Her Tribal Roots, we have people who do percussion and poetry and movement and vocal singing um, and a little bit of theater and clowning. So mm amazing and both of you have been selected for bc culture days ambassador program could you tell us what this ambassador program is yeah so the ambassador program um i guess basically is for culture days is we act as like community catalysts and what that means is each of us have been selected to do an event for bc culture days so that's throughout the lower mainland and everybody has like really cool events some are online some are in person um, this year is all about reimagining. So like reimagining, I guess, like especially after the pandemic, what community looks like, what art and collaboration look like. This year also there's a mentorship component, which mm -hmm. I think has been the most profound for myself personally. And my mentor, shout out to Christina Bucci, is someone who I first worked with when I moved um, to Musqueam Squamish and Slay with Tooth Territory about I want to say like nine years ago now um mm -hmm. and we got to reconnect and that's been really transformative for me um yes yeah, so the mentorship also happens where ambassadors and mentors i think meet i don't remember exactly how many hours it is but um, my mentor and i meet every couple weeks mm -hmm. um, and then we work on the craft as well as like holistically what it means to be an artist and yeah. does every ambassador have a mentor? I believe so, yes. Oh, that's amazing. How was the selection process for the ambassador program? Did you guys need to apply for it? Yeah, so process for uh, the ambassador program this year, there was an application form that everybody was encouraged to fill out. And uh, once that was received, it was reviewed uh, by the, I think there was a review committee, as is pretty normal for a lot of projects that you apply for. I heard back from Culture Days myself, and they asked me to um, attend a, like a Zoom interview mm -hmm. and went through the interview process. And uh, yeah, they got back to 10 of us. But I was uh, very surprised to actually hear from Culture Days because knowing that there's such a wealth of talent, um, you know, in the in British Columbia. So mm -hmm. that was the process. Yeah. And for you two, what does it feel like as artists to be part of this ambassador program? I mean, I think for myself, um, I try not to have imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah. That's that I, I guess they've been like struggling with um, in the past couple of years, especially as more opportunities and stuff arise. And I'm like, that's like, what gives me, I don't know, the this opportunity to mm -hmm. be an ambassador? And am I far enough along in my career to do this? Um, quieting down the voice in my head of self-doubt and like feeling like I am worthy and I deserve it. That's one component. And then my mentorship has been like truly transformative and amazing. And I'm super grateful for it. How about you, August? I think for me personally, I was so honored to be a part of Culture Days. And I think that uh, to be accepted into the ambassador program was amazing for me. Mm -hmm. I, um, being an artist that, you know, identifies as living with a disability as well, 
Mm-hmm. Um, all I can say is I was I was nervous about uh, approaching the project because I don't really know how to phrase this the best way I can, but uh, I'm used to dealing with a lot of hard no's, mm-hmm. um, just in general. And I think to really go forward in life, I've had to learn how to be adaptable. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still a lot of times where it's just like, uh-uh not going to happen, not going to budge. And when I started working with Culture Days, I was expecting it really not to go as far as it had. Um, I was expecting to get a lot of those hard no's. And what I can say is like in my personal experience, um, working with the the team, they've been great. Uh, Mm -hmm. They've gone out of their way really to meet me where I'm at. And in turn, it's not helped, but it's basically enabled me to... um, you know, contribute to the culture scene in British Columbia in the capacity that I have. And that's a really precious opportunity that I'm very honored to be a part of. Yeah, I'm happy that this time you weren't faced with a hard no, as you said, and that you're able to organize our first conversation, a digital art show. So do you want to talk a little about what this visual art show entails, what people can expect from it? Absolutely. Yeah. So I had the original thought to do an art show when I applied to Culture Days. And the motivation behind it was that I'd heard anecdotally from other people uh, in the arts and culture scene how difficult it was to get your work shown. So it was just a struggle. And I'd heard from people who were curating shows that they were overwhelmed by the amount of people that were applying. Traditionally, I work more in a, a photographic medium. And I was, you know, thinking, okay, well, I could do something along the lines of photography and, you know, maybe have a public project that's a bit remote, Mm -hmm. you know, where everybody can stay safe, but still participate. But I was really motivated to do a a project where uh, I could help other artists. And so that's really where our first conversation was born, was just really wanting to help everybody out in like a really small way, Mm -hmm. Um, or I guess help everyone out as much as I possibly could, even though it feels like it's a small contribution. So I was given a lot of opportunities as an artist with a disability to really get my voice and my work out into the general public. And those things for me were opportunities that really changed the game. You know, they made me feel like I was participating. They made me feel that I could actually do something that was meaningful. And I really wanted to share that with other people. So our first conversation is an amazing diverse group of artists. There might be one or two artists that may not have been part of an art show before prior to this. Yeah. So I'm working with people that are very emergent in their careers. They don't have a long exhibition history. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've got like it's a really good smash up of people i've got people from the jewish community i have people from the bipoc community like artists exhibiting um artists obviously from the disability community and they're all really amazing artists they have incredible work it was lovely to just you know see all the things that they've been creating mm-hmm. and the theme of the show is kind of what people's experiences have been in their own worlds about going through the pandemic and also what they'd like to see happen now that things are kind of shifting in society. So that's a little bit about what people can expect. And it's going to be uh, completely online. And I, I chose to do that because I wasn't sure when I was planning the show, what was going to happen in the future. I, yeah. I wasn't sure 
you know, yeah, I wasn't sure if we could all go back to being in a physical venue. And the other reason I chose to make it online was that, uh, you know, for folks that are going through really severe um, health issues or, you know, that have, uh, you know, disabilities that are, are very challenging in far as, you know, physical logistics, I wanted to make something that was as accessible as possible. So, because yeah. I have artists that are participating from across the province. Mm-hmm. So that way there's no real limit. You can, as long as you have access to a device that can surf the internet, you can find our show and it's going to be opening on September 24th and it'll be on display for the whole month of culture days. So from September 24th to October 24th and the show is going to be hosted at the conversationpit.ca website. So you can go on there, you can learn about the artists, you can look at their work, and you can participate that way through the show. Amazing. Thank you so much. And so, Alyssa, I'll ask you about your workshop that you're hosting with your collective, Her Tribal Roots. How would you describe the workshop? Is it open for everyone who is interested in it? Yeah, so uh, my event is called Jam Out with Her Tribal Roots. It's going to be an in-person event. So we're going to start with a little, a small, just excerpt of a piece that we're working on, which is Mm going to be like a 40-minute theater piece uh, called Living With. And that was, I know August talked about emergence a little bit too in terms of artists. And this is like emergence in terms of artistry and really through the pandemic of just like, I guess the values that were important to us. And again, in line with Culture Days, the theme of reimagining. Us as a collective, we're really reimagining how we make art and how we collaborate with each other using I guess like inspiration from nature so we ended up we used to rehearse in a studio and because of restrictions we ended up moving to Trout Lake um, mm-hmm. so we distanced but still together and so we would practice at Trout Lake and from there this piece emerged where we like I guess being in nature and thinking so much about symbiotic practices So like mutualistic practices of how like we collaborate and then being in a collective where so many different voices are important, like Mm -hmm. the collaboration part was really important and also noticing how our process was just as important as the product and tying in this all ties into the event, I promise, (laughs) but that collaboration piece really like inspired us in terms of like how we co-create but also it was really interesting because when we're at trout lake we have people who are just walking by sometimes come and want to know what we're doing or actually start to like practice with us which was really beautiful Mm -hmm. and so this is a more intentional way of bringing people into our process and what that's like so we're going to show a little excerpt of this interdisciplinary piece which is going to be movement drumming singing and poetry the excerpt doesn't have as much like theater and clowning but that's a big part of who we are as well and then the workshop is going to be inviting people into our process so it'll be really collaborative um and showing people how we create but it's really low barrier there's like no experience necessary we'll lead some people in some movement and vocal exercises but then also create together 
as a community, if that makes sense. So everybody has like a chance to kind of experiment with their own artistic voice as well. And then we end with a big jam, which is like one of my favorite things to do. And this is how we do rehearsals as well. It's like, it's almost like a human loop pedal. Mm -hmm. So people like either put in like a percussive noise so they can clap or they can drum. We'll have a couple drums as well. Or if people want to bring their own instruments and kind of like repeat this loop and some people vocalize. We've had people like spit raps and stuff too. And then if people want to move while that's going on as well. So some people will be dancing and it's just like kind of a big community jam. That sounds amazing. And when is this workshop happening? It is happening on Monday, September 27th. And we're praying that it's going to be beautiful out. Um, it's going to happen at Trout Lake, because that's where I, we've been at for the past couple of years. It's from 530 to 830. So Monday, September 27th, 530 p.m. to 830 p.m. There's like the specific places pinned on a map on um, the Culture Days website. But it's right by, if people know Trout Lake well, it's right by the beach where the concession stand is. So there's like a little undercover area there as well. Do people need to sign up for it? There is an option because we are, we do have to do contact tracing and make mm -hmm. sure that we're following protocols in that way. So you can show up um, at the event and sign up there, but you can also pre-register by email. So it is up to you how you would like to participate. And I also do want to say um, just in the spirit of accessibility, we want to open it up to people to be able to participate in a way that feels good and comfortable for them. So if people just want to come and witness um, and listen, then they're more than welcome to do that. If people want to be um, participatory and like moving with us and jamming out with us, then that is also welcome. Sounds great. Thank you so much to both of you for taking the time out of your day and talking to me. Before we go, would you remind us one last time of the date and time of your event that you're <laughs> hosting? And also, if you want to let the audience know where they can find you. As far as my event goes, our first conversation goes live on September 24th, and it will run until October 24th. And you can visit the show uh, by logging on to theconversationpit.ca. Wonderful. Thank you. And how about you, Alyssa? Yeah, so my event Jam Out with Her Tribal Roots um, is happening Monday, September 27th at 5.30 p.m. at Trout Lake, right by the beach near the concession stand. And it's open to everybody. So really excited to see people in person and yeah, vibe out energetically through art and dance and music. I... If you want to find out um, more information about Culture Days, you can follow Culture Days or visit the website, uh, culturedays.ca. And then personally, if you want to know more about me and my practice, you can follow on Instagram and it's just at Alyssa Amarshi. Um, so just at my name. And if you want to find out more about my collective, and I just want to, if it's cool, shout out the people in the collective because they're really important to me. Sure. Um, and it is collaborative. So even though I'm like the spokesperson here, mm -hmm. um, everything that we do is very collaborative and we're all a part of it. So 
So we have Tawaham, Marissa, Ariane, Oren, Franz, JD, Katie, and Natasha. And then myself, Alyssa. Amazing. And yeah. August, do you have any social media you'd like to shout out? Yes, I do. I definitely visit the conversationpit.ca. That will have more information on the show. Culturedays.ca is also a really great resource, not just for both Alyssa and I's project, but also for other events that are happening in your community. So uh, yeah, one thing I forgot to mention, but I really wanted to get out there is um, anyone who's listening, don't just feel like you have to live in East Van or somewhere in the Lower Mainland to access amazing community arts programming because there are like a crazy amount of talented people from north to south, east to west in BC. And Culture Days, I think, I think has over 300 registered events or at least they did last year. So there's tons and tons of stuff that's happening within your community. Mm -hmm. So feel free to go onto the uh, culturedays.ca website and just type in where you live and you'll probably find some really amazing artists or you'll be able to connect with people that, you know, live in your neighborhood that you had no idea existed and did this like awesome stuff. So definitely encourage you to visit the sites and, uh, you know, just make the most of it. That, that, that's great. Thank you so much. Again, thank you to both of you for speaking with me. I hope your events go perfectly. And yeah, it was, it was very nice talking to you. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having us on. And yeah, I mean, culture is what we're all about. So before we continue the show, we're going to go into a quick ad and PSA break. Um, and when we're back, we're going to talk about talk. Do a few reviews. Wow, words. What are they today? Slice of Life Art and Gift Shop is Vancouver's choicest destination for one-of-a-kind artist-made prints, posters, screen prints, riso prints, paintings, acrylic paintings, watercolour paintings, ceramic mugs, ceramic plates, ceramic bowls, ceramic pots, lapel pins, hats, toques, crochet bathing suits, jewellery, trinkets, knickknacks, hand-painted signs, curated thrift, and a bunch more stuff that won't fit in this designated block of airtime. Slice of Life Art and Gift Shop, located at 1636 Venables, just off commercial, open 11 to 6, six days a week. Feeling lost in the lonely, meaningless cyberweb? Looking to connect with other users? Then plug in to a CITR collective. Meet users who are compatible with your interests and passions. CITR's mainframe offers nine unique collectives. News, arts, accessibility, sports, persons of color, indigenous, gender empowerment, LGBTQ2SIA+, and music affairs. CITR collectives are where you can make great radio, great friends, and avoid the abject loneliness of life in the cyber void. and we're back um yeah honestly yeah we are a collective so join our collective if you are a member of citr and if you're not become a member and then join our collective uh you get to review shows and do some cool stuff uh so 
We are going to review shows. We have seen a lot of things over the past week. Um, VIF is coming up, and some of the movies are already out. Um, and Fringe was just last week, so we have a lot to cover. Uh, let's start with a uh, film in preparation for VIF that is coming up next week. Silvana, you watched Saint Narcisse. Um, what was that like without spoilers? <laughs> without spoilers. Oh, oh my God. Okay. So, Saint Narcisse um, is a movie by Bruce LeBruce, which I think is a great <laughs> name. <laughs> It is a great name. It is a great name. Um, and I watched it at the Van City Theater, which is. Um, Viv's kind of like hub. Um, they have pro. They have a really big program throughout the year, and of course, they also host the Viv Festival. That, as Lua was mentioning, it will be running this year from October first to October eleven. So stay tuned for those movies and for our reviews of all those movies because I am so excited for that. <laughs> um, and so Saint Narcisse. Well, it's um a movie from um based in the Quebec area. And it follows this protagonist called Dominique, who's this like really handsome dude. <laughs> <laughs> Just like very good very, looking. Very good looking. <laughs> um, but he is kind of like promiscuous and like honestly like a bit like self-absorbed. So as you can like probably infer from the name side, Narcisse. Narcisse is like um, alluding to the myth of Narcissus, which is um, the Greek myth of This guy that was just so beautiful and like so self-absorbed, he was in love with himself, and other people also like found him super attractive. Um, and basically, how the story goes is that he sees his reflection in the water, and he's just like, "Oh my god, I'm so gorgeous!" <laughs> <laughs> that he just drowns in the water, okay. which is you know tragic, very Greek <laughs> tragic. <laughs> Um, but then Labrousse's film is using this kind of myth in a way that, um, I don't know, it's like adapted to the 1970s. So the film is set in 1972 and Dominique, the main character, is around 22. He's, um, I don't know, um, kind of lonely. Um, you can tell that he just like something is missing in his life and he was... Um, also raised by his grandmother, but he doesn't know anyone else in his family. I must say that during this like first part of the movie, I don't know if it was intentional or if there was some sort of glitch because there were some like there was some dialogue in French and I do not speak <laughs> French. <laughs> um, but there were also no subtitles in that one like in those like scenes that were set in Montreal, and I was just like. No, wait, what? <laughs> Did I not see it? Right? <laughs> Is this movie just gonna be in French? <laughs> But it wasn't. <laughs> um, he eventually finds all these like letters that this woman had sent to his grandmother after she passes away, and he decides to embark on this trip to perhaps meet a woman that may be his mother. Um, and so family bonds are also like. I mean, messy family bonds are also like a theme in the movie. But back to um, Narcissus, um, from the very first scene and from the from the image of, of the movie, you can see that um, there is this guy looking at like himself, but it's actually a real person. So it's not like Narcissus looking just at himself. There is an actual person that looks like him. 
And so it's kind of a play with doppelgangers. <laughs> um, Narcissus is just not, is not only absorbed with himself, but then also is infatuated with a person that looks exactly like him. And so LaBruce calls this um, twincest. <laughs> I mean, that um, is definitely one way to put it. Um. That is one way to put it, yeah. Because, of course, they're like, yep, siblings. You heard that, right? <laughs> and so LaBruce apparently really likes to um, address issues of taboo and, like, fetishes. And, of course like the theme of incest is really uncomfortable um i mean i watched the film with my boyfriend and he was really like oh <laughs> what is this <laughs> um especially because they're like very explicit scenes very explicit scenes yeah i will say that um 18 plus for sure <laughs> keep that in mind um but yeah once you like l- look at that theme like from a more nuanced perspective and keeping into account that it's like a reference to the greek myth and also just like doing a play on like not just like what it means to be like self-absorbed in a way Mm -hmm. um i don't know it's i think it's an interesting commentary when he like takes pictures in this like polaroid from the 1970s and it's and if you think about it people take selfies of themselves today all the time so it's just stuff like that is really interesting but then there's also like family dynamics that are really explored on the table um from again a very um twincest point of view (laughs) but also um like touching topics about like consent and like age as well and what really is grooming yeah and also what even is family love and even like religious in the religious aspect there's also like some commentary about this um because his twin is um just interned in a monastery um he he was just like raised by monks so it's very different, but this film, I will say, won the Grafeta. I'm gonna say it in like my accent, but <laughs> Grafeta d'Oro <laughs> for best film at the Venice Film Festival. Mm. Um, and so it is a, a film that has been like um, very much regarded as mm-hmm. good. And and Bruce LaBruce <laughs> um, is a filmmaker who has been both lauded at film festivals such as Venice and Sundance but has also been banned <laughs> by a few of them <laughs> like the Melbourne International Film Festival so I can uh, definitely see why yeah I can definitely <laughs> see why um so it's really like um I'm I am inviting you to watch the film um I think it's running until the end of this week um perhaps I think until Friday you have some time to look at it and of course um look it up if you can like in other i don't know film yeah i mean it might be a viv or maybe not i don't know maybe i don't know i think something that's interesting about that film as well is that it's like um sylvia already told me the entire plot i haven't watched it but i did not watch the trailer because i was so fascinated by it um it's very cheeky like the way Mm -hmm. it's constructed is very cheeky like he purposely uses kind of like this very cheeky like 70s music that is like yeah and it's purposely funny uh, and like puts things out there that you're like, uh, okay, I'm gonna laugh because this kind of makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly. It sounded so serious when you just described it. I yeah, been. no, it's it like it's very it's very cheeky as well. Huh. It is, and it's also it's also fun that it's in the 70s because it's kind of like a period piece, and mm-hmm. because it's set in such a different time, there's you also know that the society in which they're like 
at because Saint Narcisse is actually a town that like where he goes to like find his mother. Um, and I don't know, it's just everything is very like seventies. Like the car, this one car that appears in a scene is like very bright pink and like there's a scene in a laundromat and just the colors and the music is really like funny and the very last scene i am not gonna spoil it yeah, but spoil it, it has <laughs> a song that it just just it's just like <laughs> it just sums it up the epitome of say. cheeky <laughs> yes uh, it sums it up but it's a very 70s song very groovy yeah and we'll have more movies uh we'll be talking about more movies in the upcoming weeks which is really exciting mm-hmm. but um let's go back to theater and let's talk about the fringe uh, festival. The Fringe Festival. Um, this was Sylvie's first year experiencing the Fringe. This was Phoebe's first year experiencing the Fringe. Yeah. I'm a very much a, a experienced Fringe goer. <laughs> um, and the Fringe is always to me a hit or miss. There are very good shows and there are very not so good shows. <laughs> and I think we watched a fair share of like mixed here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I want to start with a really positive one, and that was Something in the Water. Sylvie and I watched that one together. And Something in the Water is a um, short play. It's just about an hour, or it's only a single-person play. And it uh, follows the story of this creature who becomes a squid monster Mm -hmm. but has to fake being a normal um, quotes quote around quote unquote normal woman in order to pass society to pass in society and so it's very 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 funny super funny um, in a very nonsensical not taking itself too seriously kind of way but it approaches a really important and really relevant um, and really just current topic which is gender identity and like mm-hmm. how, what it, does it even mean to be normal and how does our differences make us better or worse and just the construction of the play is so chaotic <laughs> i think that's the best way to describe it is it's chaos yeah. in the most fun way possible it's also 18 plus by the way <laughs> <laughs> that was a surprise <laughs> at the beginning but it was really really funny it was also interactive like people were saying things um there was <laughs> There was a scene in which, um, well, I don't want to spoil it. Should I? Uh, you can spoil it. I, I mean, can. It's, 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 it's not. Yeah. So basically, um, Lou and I got given like these forks at the entrance and we had no clue. I was so for. ready for them to serve dessert. I was like, oh, yeah, cake. Plastic forks. And I was just like, is this part of, I don't know. Like, Thanks, <laughs> is this, I guess. Like, like, yeah, I didn't know. And eventually, um, when we got to this part of the play, um, we were supposed to be like an angry mob. And, <laughs> and so those were our tiny pitchforks. Exactly. That's so cute. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, honestly, like the entire show was w- really well written. Um, fascinating use of technology. So basically, a lot of the play was told, um, do you know those old, t- uh, like, old things, like, in the 90s, your teacher willed it in? Like, projectors. Uh, projector yeah. thing where you write on, like, on a flat surface, and it projects on, like, mm-hmm. on yeah, a totally. surface. Uh, so, basically, it was that. And so, like, a lot of the play was told like that mm-hmm. with her interacting with the projections. Because oh, wow. there is, like, it's the fringe, so it's, like, very low budget. It's very, like, experimental stuff. Mm-hmm. And this play really felt like 
what the fringe should be all the time. Like it's experimental theater that is exploring current thought topics. It's funny. It's irreverent. Um, and the acting was just so real and everything was mm-hmm. so raw. And that's exactly what I wanted to see in French this year. And I saw it and I was so happy I did. It was really fun. <laughs> it was a great show and I really enjoyed it. It was also, as Lua said, my first like fringe experience ever. And it was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And so moving on, because we saw like five different shows. Wow. <laughs> um, Phoebe, you watched Big League. I did. So... Tell me, tell me about that one. What what did you think? So, Big League, I didn't really know what to expect going in because I, I read the description and I was like, hmm, it's baseball themed. What does that mean? And it hmm. turns out it was less of a um, concise plot-based performance or play. It was more like a series of different stand-up skits, I guess. Um, back to back, not more than two or three minutes, uh, all based around the theme of baseball. Um, okay. Like the sport, but also like the stadium experience. I guess anything to do with related to baseball. Okay. Themes, and I I saw my first ever baseball game this this summer. Wow. Actually, so it's like I really don't know that much at all anyway. Um, but it was it was very lighthearted. It was cu- like cute. I would say cute. Um, and oh, another thing is, uh, the two people who were putting it on they go by cakewalk is their comedy duo name um and those two people are made up of uh jordan potter and stacy mclaughlin i believe you pronounce okay um and so they were the main people doing every single different skit so it was lots of quick changes and kind of like in the wings um shifting clothes and hats and whatnot um and it was interesting. It's the first time I've gone to a live performance in a really long time, yeah. um, which was exciting. And it was exciting to have to go to the ticket booth and be in person and all of that. And you could kind of tell that everyone in the room was there to have a nice, lighthearted, fun time. Um, so that was kind of nice to share in that experience with everyone in the room, I feel. Um, I will say it was a little bit... Um, like I don't, I don't I don't want to say gimmicky, but there was they were playing a lot on on kind of being spoofy and like over the top and um, so if if that's not what you were into or you were kind of hoping for something a bit more uh, with substance, yeah, they, <laughs> then you would have left feeling a little kind of unfulfilled. I feel like um, did you leave unfulfilled? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I left feeling surprised. I'll say that that's like a, a kind way of saying kind of, <laughs> um, but but it was really nice at the same time. So I don't know. Okay. Like you had fun, and that's yeah. My my yeah. feelings mixed but lighthearted, and so that's kind of nice. Awesome. So yeah. we're gonna go into another quick PSA and ad break, and then when we come back, we're gonna talk a little bit more about some French shows and another play. Um, give me one second. Things are really helping me today. Technology loves me. Without the help and support of our friends, we here at CITR wouldn't be able to bring you all the great music, art, cinema, and culture that you love. Thanks to the long-standing support from the Rio Theatre, we are able to keep you informed on all the great artists, films, and everything else coming to town there. For all the current information about who and what's playing at the Rio Theatre, 
visit their website at www.riotheater.ca. Looking to get a reliable and affordable used bike? Need a repair or service to your current ride? Come to the Bike Kitchen, UBC's full-service community bike shop, located in room 36 of the UBC Life Building. Our hours are Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. If you buy a bike from us, bring it back when you're done using it and we'll give you half of your money back as long as you took care of it. If it needs repairs, we'll split the cost with you. Yep, you heard us right. We'll give you crisp dollar bills for half the original price of any used bike that you buy from us, minus the cost of repairs. For more information about our buyback policy and to stay up to date on any COVID-19 inspired changes, find us online at thebikekitchen.com. The Bike Kitchen is such a cool place. Uh, if you have a bike and you're on a budget, definitely check them out. Uh, but back to the French, um, we, what, what's next? What's next? I'd love to talk about Neverland Night Circus. That was the last show I saw in French. It was sold out. And um, I don't know what I was expecting, but I don't think that was, I, I don't know. It was, it was an interesting experience. So um, if you're familiar with the story of Peter Pan, um, basically you are entering Neverland, but it's a very unique version of Neverland. Um, the show takes place outside, so it's not in a theater, it's outside, and you're kind of like walking around Granville Island, um, experiencing little snippets of the show. And that in of itself is very fun. Here is where things start to get derailed. I loved the play as a concept. I loved the idea of approaching Neverland or the story of Peter Pan from like a circus perspective. But the way it was executed um, just didn't translate super well for me. Um, so first off, like the show, we start at one place, right? And we walk. And something that I didn't know because it wasn't really described anywhere is like it's not super accessible, right? Like so mm -hmm. if you were in a wheelchair or any other sort of accessibility device, um, you might not be able to enjoy the show. Uh, and the other thing is um, everything felt a little bit too disconnected. If you weren't super familiar with the story of Peter Pan like myself, like I love all fairy tales and so I'm super familiar with, like, every single little detail of the story. So I knew exactly what each character was supposed to be, what each scene was supposed to represent. But my partner who came with me um, was not. And he was very confused throughout the show because all these little scenes came about and went. And there isn't really an explanation to any of them. It doesn't really follow a plot line. It's, again, little skits that relate to the Peter Pan story. Uh, there were two really great highlights, which were aerial hoops. Uh, they were beautiful, mounted outside. They were just gorgeous little, gorgeous scenes. Um, but something that is like kind of like a miss for me about the show, uh, 
it has really nothing to do with the quality of the actors, the quality of the performances. Uh, it's more about the structure itself. And it's that uh, in a show like that, like there was so much like, oh, you, like, let's clap. Let's like, you know, like, woo, like circus vibe. But at the same time, it's like you don't really get to enjoy the show because mm-hmm. first you're standing up, you're outside. There's not like a big group of people. So you're not like, you know, when you're in a really the big group atmosphere. of people. Yeah there's, yeah, there's not really the crowd atmosphere. So you're kind of always like looking around am I not standing in front of anyone else like is this the time to clap yes is this the time to clap is this not the time to clap so it was like felt a lot of awkward moments and Mm -hmm. so like I wanted to enjoy I just wanted to sit back and enjoy Mm -hmm. and I don't didn't want to like clap at every little thing that they did Mm -hmm. because I wanted to experience it right and that kind of like took away from it for me and it was standing the whole time the standing the whole time Mm -hmm. uh for like an hour and 20 minutes which is a long time again not super mm-hmm. accessible which i didn't know until we got there and i had gone shopping <laughs> right before <laughs> so i was like carrying bags and stuff um yeah it was a little bit of a disappointing experience but i just think it just needs like a little bit more thought through mm-hmm. and i think the last french show that we watched was practice round and sylvie also watched that Uh, it was completely unplanned that we went to the same (laughs) show at the same viewing at the same like it was it was really funny funny. yeah it was like (laughs) literally we lived together so i was living that yeah like so like oh where are you going oh i'm going to the show wait which show this show oh i'm going there too like it was really funny yeah and we're both on dates so yeah like Hi. <laughs> um, and so Practice Round is the story of a um, date simulator, which was great to go on a date. And I thought it was going to be like very like Black Mirror-ish. Yeah, that was also my reference. But Sylvie, what did you think? <laughs> so I thought it was going to be, well, now that you mentioned Black Mirror, like I feel like I don't know what's the name of the episode in Black Mirror, but basically it's also like a dating app simulator. And they tell you that it's like super, super effective, the algorithm. Um, And what really makes it effective is when two people want to leave the algorithm, like want to leave Mm -hmm. the simulation. And that's when you know that they are compatible. That's kind of... Sorry for anyone that watches Black Mirror at this point. (laughs) I thought everybody has watched it at this point. Um, but um, that's basically how it goes. While practice round, I don't know, there was there was never really like a synchronicity between the two characters. And um, I don't know, the simulation was so different to like see it in a stage with like very like little props with this one guy all dressed in, in like, a morph suit. <laughs> yeah, like just doing like, you know, the helping here and there, like. Um, moving the like things around the stage and then there's also like one voiceover that was honestly really funny I feel like whoever did the voiceover did a really good job (laughs) um because it wasn't like a rigid robot it was a very like like, sassy yeah very sassy (laughs) got personality yeah yeah the the computer had its own personality yeah so the thing yeah sorry Sorry, I was just, no, 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 go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say that 
practice round, basically, we are introduced to these two people. They're obviously single. They're in a couple simulators. They both choose to do just the the honeymoon experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like those first few months of her relationship that you just, you know, everything, see th- everything's through rose-colored glasses. And here's where the show has a lot of potential. And it was very funny, very entertaining. Uh, I really enjoyed watching it. But I was so confused for most of it because there was just no linearity in their conversations. And their conversations, a lot of times, they were speaking so fast and it almost felt nonsensical. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there were moments where they all of a sudden started fighting or arguing with each other. And we were like, what what are they fighting about? And then Mm -hmm. the next second is like, oh, they made up. Wait, what? They made up. Okay. Okay. Uh, So it was just like a lot of moments of confusion. I think the show has a lot of potential, but I think, but it felt like we were watching something still in the editing stages, Mm -hmm. like a preview Mm -hmm. to, you know, like a workshopping kind of thing. Um, And that that is part of French, you know, like part of French is putting this stuff out there and experimenting and see what sticks. Um, and I would love to see the show in a few months with it a little bit more fleshed out mm-hmm. and a little bit more right. structurally sound. Uh, in its current state, it was enjoyable, but ultimately confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like for me, it was just like the show was over and I just didn't really get the same like feeling of closure that I got like say in the Black Mirror episode when you're like oh so this is all part of this and then technology does this and this is it was effective because of this but when the play ended I just didn't know if they were gonna be together or not like was this like a good experience or not like I was just confused and I didn't really have like a sound like oh this is like the end this is like what it was all about i didn't get that like feeling so that's why i was just kind of like okay (laughs) so and was was the plot of a uh live performance of a digital simulator was that what was no so that's what we thought going in so to be fair like it has nothing to do with black mirror the only reason we brought it up was because like that's kind of like what we imagined going in yeah but the intent of the show is not to explore technology at all. Mm-mm. It's to explore relationships. Right. And so it's kind of like um, the simulator is this voiceover algorithm thing. And literally the guy in the morph suit putting right. chairs on, <laughs> taking things off, giving them a drink, taking away a drink. Yeah. Uh, you know, like yeah. okay. it's a very analog simulator. Uh-huh. Uh, very funny moments. Very funny moments in part because of that. But um, again, not a fully fleshed out a fleshed out play in mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna do a quick ad and PSA break, um, and we are gonna extend the show a little bit over because we have one more thing to talk about. Uh, but yeah, when we come back, I'll be talking about Revelations, which is a, such a cool play, and it's going on for another week. And I really, really hope everyone can watch it. But first, ads and PSAs. of trans health services across the province and offer expanded health services to support transgender communities. They are doing this by developing gender-affirming client-centered models of service. 
ensuring access to gender-affirming and supportive healthcare that is equitable and available, and supporting network development to make sure trans and gender-diverse individuals, their families, and healthcare providers have access to information, resources, and support. Check out phsa.ca to learn more about this program and lend your voice to help create an inclusive and supportive system for trans members of our community. And again, technology. Um, Discorder, that free magazine from CITR, has been documenting the best in music, arts, and culture since 1983. Let's see what one man of prestige has to say about Discorder. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Dogg, and I fucks with Discorder magazine. How about that? <laughs> Smoke every day. Pick up a copy around Vancouver or f with Discorder online at discorder.ca. Awesome. And we're back. Honestly, that is my favorite PSA. I think it's the fucking best. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it was literally censored, and here I am cursing. Little laugh. <laughs> 18 plus. Um, so, Revelations. Uh, this was a show that I wanted all my friends to join. None of my friends joined me. <laughs> what? Come on. Um, and so, just me and my boyfriend did it together, but it was so cool. Okay, so this show is not just a show. It's an interactive um, strategy game that mm. ends in a show. And the whole purpose of Revelations is to uh, create awareness surrounding emergency preparedness. And what would you do if, you know, an emergency happened tomorrow, the end of the world occurs, right? Like a flood, a oh, fire, no. <laughs> <laughs> COVID, <laughs> you know, anything like this. Climate change. <laughs> Life <What's> change. That? <laughs> um and so um, it's a show that's divided in three parts. The first part is the drop-off. They come to your house. Uh, they literally come to your house. They drop off a sealed box. They ask you a few questions. And they give you a walkie-talkie. That's where the entire game is going to occur oh through a walkie-talkie. This is so exciting. It's so, it's so fun. And so when you're answering their questions, uh, they ask you basically about your, like, how would you deal with, like, if something happened right now, would you be prepared to have, like, air filtration, water, food? How would you get out? Um, would you have the skills, like, mentally, would you prepare? Like, would you have, like, the determination to get out? That kind of stuff. And then you get a score. Uh, and that score is, like, an emergency preparedness score. Uh, it goes from, like, positive four to negative four. And the average, I think, is, like, one or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and you got a two. <laughs> I know. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, and so that's the first part. Um, and then a few hours later, we all turn on the walkie-talkie at 5 p.m. And uh, we get further instructions. And we, you know, have to play a part of the game, so make some strategic choices. We meet other team teams, right? Because you play as a household. Uh, and your household can have up to six people. My household had two people. Uh, so you're playing against other teams, but you can collaborate with them in that process of the puzzle solving kind of thing. And then at 7.30, you meet uh, at the Shabot Theater for the Arts in Burnaby, and you watch the rest of the performance. Well, you played the end of the game, and you watch the rest of the performance. And so it was such, such, such a cool experience. Um, 
I was not expecting it at all. Um, and it's just, honestly, it's such an amazing approach to making people think about, like, uh, being prepared for things that can happen. And it's not just, like, oh, like, end of the world, uh, the people, you know, like, those people that build bunkers. It's not, like, it's more, like, everyday things, like, things that are can be really easy, like, having a fire extinguisher at home. Yeah. Um, like making sure you have canned food if something happens and you can leave yeah. your house for a little bit. Ask first aid kids, kids, right? Yeah. Sorry? First aid kids. Uh, yeah, first aid kits. Something as simple as that, right? And mm-hmm. it's just such a great way to make people a little bit more aware and um, you know, also make people think about like what does it mean to be in a community and like do you have the support you need if something happened to you or something happened to the people around you? Wow. I just had such a fun and great time like the entire thing i was just like i can't believe i'm here (laughs) and um and it's only 25 dollars per household so if you get 26 people in your household uh that's less than five dollars per person which is a really cool deal. deal and just a cool experience um and yeah, I just really enjoyed the show. I will say, uh, at the end of the day, like the theater aspect of it is very minimal compared to the interactive and like you know, like the gameplay mm-hmm. part of it. Um, but it doesn't really hinder your experience at all. The theater elements come in later on, uh, and they feel like really personal experiences. Uh, being told to you and basically like a support group where you are more than welcome to share your own opinions and be like what would you do if this was a real situation right like if the the world was ending right now um yeah i don't know what else to say other than go see it is on until the 26th um you can buy tickets online or call them they are uh when i say they is up in the air theater the show name is revelations uh, I really, really encourage it. everyone going because it, it, it was so cool. <laughs> that sounds so awesome. Do you feel more prepared now? I do. Like, okay, I don't feel necessarily more prepared, but I know of the things that I should do in order to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And something that's really scary is like the odds of surviving are actually so, so, so low. Uh, which is really scary, but like making like one choice can be the difference between, you know, surviving and not surviving. And yes, it feels kind of like, oh, the end of the world kind of stuff. But I don't, I don't see seeing the end of the world as a negative thing. Like if you really think about it, the world ends every day and uh, every day, like a new world is born again, right? Like just because something ends doesn't mean something new isn't created that is so deep Lua. Oh my God. <laughs> and on that note oh, i mean know. even covid right like a, a world ended once covid began oh, and true. now covid and is coming are. to an end and it's another world is ending and we're going into a new world a different era for yeah sure. right and so like the end of the world doesn't necessarily mean um like a tragic disaster happens it just means there's like a deep change mm. um and I think, yeah, that was just like a really cool, cool approach to it. Um, yeah. It's completely experimental theater. If you're not into interactive stuff, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I the, was sold with interactive, honestly. Sorry? I was sold with interactive. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, if you're into interactive stuff, you're going to love this. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. It sounds like the kind of play for people that love to go to, like, escape rooms and, yeah. like, solve Absolutely. puzzles and riddles. Absolutely. Yeah. If, like, you're, like, into D&D, like, anything like that, like, this is the play for you because there will be minimal sitting down and listening. <laughs> it's mostly standing up and walking and talking. <laughs> Walking, talking. Talking, walking, talking. Walkie, talkie. Ta-da. Anyway. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, and so that is it for our show today. We are going to uh, play the interview that we had technical difficulties with in the beginning of the show next week, since it's a little bit more of a timely interview. Uh, so don't miss out on that. And we have other cool stuff planned for you for next week. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh Bye-bye. This is Lua. I uh, hope you have a lovely night. Uh, bye, everyone. I'm literally so happy to be live in the studio <laughs> since 2019. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Enjoy your evenings. Bye. Okay. Have a lovely night, everyone. And tuning out. Reputation, being that it's been around for so long. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's very active in the community because it's run by community members and uh, UBC students, obviously. Whether you're into radio as a hobby or whether you want to get some uh, real-world experience, it's a great place to go. It's like a very open and creative environment. Everybody that's you know working here seems really jazzed about what, they, what they're doing at the station. Just lots of really like, good, like, challenging music and spoken word content. It's a, it's a great station. CITR 101.9 FM. Broadcasting from Vancouver, British Columbia, on unceded Coast Salish, Musqueam Territory. Learn how to get involved at citr.ca.